I'm Reverend Starlet Thomas, host of the Raceless Gospel Podcast, which is sponsored by New Baptist Covenant. Since 2007, Baptists have responded to President Jimmy Carter's invitation to tear down barriers in communities previously marked by division. Communities estranged in apathy. The movement called New Baptist Covenant invites us all to become bridge builders. If you or your congregation are ready to respond to the call for reconciliation and healing, if you are prepared to pave the way for racial justice, if you're ready to walk in the way of love, then join the journey with New Baptist Covenant. Together, let's build bridges toward beloved community. Start online at newbaptistcovenant.org and on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Now I hear the bells calling me to church. Welcome, all God's children. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go and talk about that taboo trinity, race, religion, and politics. Thank you for joining the Raceless Gospel Podcast, where word meets flesh, and where we gather to talk about the sticks and stones, the skin and bones of Christian discipleship, in the structure of a church service. I am your host and podcast pastor, Starlet Thomas. On, on today's podcast, I am joined by the Reverend Jeremy Bell, who is the General Secretary of the North American Baptist Fellowship, representing 22 Baptist denominations, unions, and mission societies in Canada and the U.S., with 19.8 million members and 55,000 congregations. Bell is a graduate of Fuller Theological Seminary in Pasadena, California, and Royal Roads University in Victoria, British Columbia. He is an ordained minister of the Baptist Union of Western Canada. Today we aim to talk about race and incarnation, how Christ is present in our many segregations, what the Word has done to the body of Christ and the ministry of reconciliation. Won't you pray for us? And do pray with me. God, who is not a segregated deity, who did not come in the flesh to be restricted by it, who is not limited to our corner of the world and the people we have chosen as good, who did not come to bless our prejudices and to make our hatreds holy, won't you guide us toward the truth of who you are and who we are in you as members of Christ's body, not our culture, church, denomination, or tradition. Because we crossed our hearts and were supposed to die with Christ in that baptismal water, but somehow these divisions got up and they keep coming up in ways that restrict us as Christ's hands and feet. Hands tied and tongues tied, our self-righteousness, our racism, our pride limits our reach and the words we can use to speak about you. Because we want to step on your heels, but keep taking two steps back because we keep circling back to our comfortable lies about who we are, which have nothing to do with you. Help us to surrender, to throw our hands up and then to put our hands in for your kingdom work. 
which does not single out any people group, but calls us together because you didn't come to leave anyone out because you made us good. And the goal is that we dwell in unity together in the name of the Christ whose body is undivided, who calls us all to be members of his body and not our own. We pray. Amen. When I was growing up in the South, there was a time in the worship service when persons stood up within the congregation and bore witness to what God was doing in their lives. It was called their testimony. They began, first giving honor to God who is the head of my life, to the pastor, visitors, saints, and friends. And today I want to testify about incarnation, that is the embodiment of Jesus's life and witness in his followers. I confess Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior at Bible Way Holiness Church in Foley, Alabama in 1992. Long dresses and even longer church services. We practice a kind of Southern monasticism filled with more you do nots than do's. But we were also filled with the spirit and shouted on Sundays. By this, I mean we danced in celebration of God's love, grace, and faithfulness. The Holy Spirit was the source of celebration and correction. The Holy Spirit guided us and guarded us against our flesh, which was a sworn enemy. It was especially true for women, viewed as temptress and sole reason for the fall of humanity. We needed to both watch her mouth and our bodies. In order to be in the spirit, we had to deny our flesh of its cravings and lusts. We were on our way to heaven and needed to be watchful so as not to lose our way. We had to walk circumspectly, as they say. Incarnation was expressed in the way we dressed and demonstrated by where we did not go. We were connected to Christ and only to those who believed as we did. We were on the Lord's side and were called to draw the line crossing friends and family members off if they did not behave as we believed they should. So heavenly minded, we were no earthly good. And there was no way that I would have made the connections to reconciliation as an expression of my faith if I had remained. Because how can we be reconciled if we are folding our arms instead of reaching out? If we give persons the silent treatment instead of listening out for an invitation to talk it out and act out Christ's message of unity in the flesh. My body is not against me and neither is yours. What we say about the body, the ways in which we treat it and mistreat others can and does get in the way of our coming together. Because Christ came in the flesh and we are called in these bodies to bear witness to God's unconditional love. Because if we are new creatures, new people, then why do we continue to look at each other the same old way? Why do we relate to each other as if we are not related and do not have a role to play in the ministry of reconciliation? As if we have not been called here and now to pull everyone together. As if this message has not been passed down to us. We need not look up or look around because Jesus is God come down in the flesh and we are his body now called to embody him in our own. God delivered me from a faith that is fixed and fixated on judging bodies and separating them into good and bad ones based solely on their physical appearance. 
I now believe that faith is part improvisation because God is still speaking, because I live in response to the spirit that blows me wherever it will, because I serve a savior who showed up in the flesh, not to condemn us, but to deliver us. And I want to be a part of a church, a body that is just like him. Our scripture reading is 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses 14 through 19, and it reads this way. For the love of Christ urges us on, because we are convinced that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all so that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God who reconciled us to God's self through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to God's self not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I want to introduce to some and present again to others my conversation partner, Jeremy Bell. For today's message, we will engage in the tradition of call and response, a sacred back and forth about incarnation, about embodying Jesus in our everyday lives, not just our Sunday morning worship experience. Feel free to join in as official members of the Amen Corner. Pray for us as we attempt to address the call to embody the work and witness of Jesus in the flesh. Persons who confess Christ are called to exchange their life for his own. Dead to our former selves, we are invited to live into a new creation. Uh, But so much of what we see from the church in North America is a reflection of the American empire and its capitalist, patriarchal, political, racialized machinery. What does the incarnation of Jesus look like and when in our history have we seen it? I'm not sure whether we oversimplify, over-sentimentalize, over-project any point in history where we have been a good example of giving our lives for Christ. With the exception of the rather unfortunate titled book, um, The Triumph of Christianity by Rodney Stark, where he, uh, apart from the title, it talks and documents the early Christian church where they uh, looked after each other, looked after others, uh, were in fact, um, intermediaries as Jesus is uh, for those who were vulnerable um, and and that actually people they cared for live longer actually physically live longer um, people weren't as discarded as dismissed or degraded as much in a place and a context and a world which was mostly that way um, you know we we glamorize uh, Greek and Roman culture where only 
10% of the people lived off 90% uh, of those who were indentured or slaves or otherwise um, dismissed because of their gender or their age. So I think in some ways that was a good place, a healthy place, except you'll see from the letters of Paul and others what a disastrous way they treated each other, how the poor sat at one end of the table of communion, the rich sat at the other. I mean, they were normal That's people. Right. They really were. Um, and and I, I think the other part to it is is they were they, they had a sense of the other they were choosing to be the other um and not in the way we choose other the other is usually the person that we don't like um you yes, know uh, and, and is parenthesized um is demeaned and disregarded because they're not us um and so um i i, I think that uh, because they realized they were in a place of choosing literally life over death um mm -hmm. which is what you began the question with that it was a literal kind of thing. Yeah, but doesn't Dietrich Bonhoeffer say that the invitation for Christ is to bid that person to come and die? And how often yeah. we continue to fight off death? I don't understand a church that refuses to suffer. Well, I don't think, you see, it's interesting what one calls the church. Yeah. Um, and, you know, um, you know, here, here in town, um, um, uh, and, and discrimination comes in so many different forms, and it is better to call out and wrestle and then retreat and reflect, call out and mm. wrestle, then reflect and retreat. Mm -hmm. Because if we, if you know, it, it's this, you see, the, the Roman Catholics have a better deal about this uh, because you go to confession and you get absolved. You may be asked to do daft things in that process, but you there's, there's a mechanism where yeah. you can retreat. There's the right of return. And, and in Protestant, sectarian Protestant in particular, what you have is I, I'm guilty, therefore I have separated myself from the faith, therefore God has hid God's face from us. Jesus mm. is no longer, uh, and, and it's, it's sometimes it's proprietary. Jesus is no longer mine, which is part of the problem in the first place. You That's were right. you were Christ, not the other way around. That's right. And, and and so we hear the voice of the Spirit even in that desolate place. But the fact is, when we mimic the other part of the culture, which is guilt and shame, uh, you know, in Christianity, when we do that, therefore we create a paradigm where there's no retrieval of you know, our, our consumerist desires, our capitalism, our patriarchy, all those kinds of things. And if we don't offer people a way back, the yeah. first reaction might be desolation, might be loneliness, but the other reaction is anger. The other reaction is, I'm not gonna do what I'm being told to do. I'm not gonna reflect what I'm being told. They're, they're, if there are bad people, they're not me. And mm. so um, it, it's, it's, it's this whole individuation which sometimes is healthy. But the individualization of the gospel uh, matched with a culture that is so addictive is a toxic combination, which is at some point, uh, like, um, uh, you know, screw tape letters, at some point we are apprehended uh, by that side of us that is always tempting. As Solzhenitsyn said, uh, the, the evil runs right down the middle of every human heart. Yes, it um, does. And, you know, and, and usually we straddle that evil. We're not an either or piece. So, um, you know, I, I think if we are called as individuals that make up a church, then we are called to the fruit of the Spirit. And so if what is we this? Keep, uh, so tell me this, though. What is the message of incarnation then for the church in North America? What well, are we being called to embody and, and where should we be? You talk about othering and community and death and die. Where is the church supposed to be? Well, I don't think it's, I think it's, I don't want to say, I don't want to say unwise. I want to say unhealthy. I want to say that there is no church to assail. Say you know, it, say you it. You know, there, 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 
individual lives have become part of a collective. So, if, for instance, mm. I go to the Conference of Catholic Bishops, or I go to, to um, you know, a particular Baptist group or whatever, and I said, uh, you've not only done me wrong, as it says in country and Western songs, but you've done everybody else wrong. And they said, well, who is everybody else? You know, uh, you know, um, you know, the theme probably for North American Baptist annual meeting is going to be who is my neighbor and how are they now? Mm. And, you know, and we're gonna, we're, that was a shameless plug, shameless about, plug. Well, yeah, well, actually, it's only in process. <laughs> I'm the doula for this sucker. I'm not the person that created it. So, so I just have to get birth. So, you know, the truth of the matter is that the streams to that are racial reconciliation, food security, yeah. a whole bunch of all the things. So I think the church can imitate by speaking truth to power, whatever power is, to, on, on some core issues, Racons, re, racial reconciliation, creation care, security on basic social health, food, shelter, and things that we know in our hearts are of God. And to do it in such a way that reflects the fruit of the Spirit so we don't antagonize, we invite. That's mm. how I think the church can be. And also, if the church is not in a place where it is oppositional and can't regularly recall where it was oppositional, yes, sir. if the church also can't recall when we had, and personally and collectively, a holy restlessness, uh, and, and if we don't feel that we're in touch with that, and also the other problem is this, is we sometimes focus on particular things and we go all the way down that alley, but we forget the full gospel, the full nature yeah. of the gospel. And as, as William Carey said, I'm not afraid of failure. I am afraid of succeeding at things that do not matter. Mm. And, and so what we do is we pick tiny things and we feel good about that. We have recyclable cups at coffee hour and then forget the rest of the story. And, and then, and after having succeeded at, at permanent cups of coffee, which by the way is a good thing, <laughs> and, and, and really good coffee, good coffee. As Augustine said, don't buy coffee from a Christian unless they make good coffee. You know, he said sandals, but I mean coffee. So, you know, but, but we, we feel like we've done the deal. Um, yes, and sir. so I, I think sacrificially feeling that we are inconvenienced ourselves, which is the primary aspect of the incarnation. As Christ inconvenienced himself yeah. to become one of us, we need to live the incarnation by saying, how have we inconvenienced ourselves against the culture? When was the last time we felt a holy restlessness? And when was the last time we protested and spoke truth to power on a local, not a, a national level as much? You do that stuff, but that stuff is almost wasted paper because it's made to feel us good sometimes. Oh, we want to be part of the conversation. We elbow our way into a midst of something we had no business being in because we weren't there before the discussion happened. Would you say that, sir? You hurt somebody's what? feelings. You didn't step on somebody's toes just now. Tell me, tell me, My tell people me. would say, if you can't say amen, say ouch. <laughs> and that was definitely <laughs> a word. I love it. Well, listen, my, my, the best story for me is Kevin Cosby. We're talking about reparations, 16th Avenue. Baptist Church of Birmingham. He said, "If you stole my car on Monday, uh huh, and you still have my, and you came to faith on Tuesday, tell the story. And you still have my car on Wednesday, then you did not come to faith on Tuesday. You did now, not." He said, "I not only want my car back, I want it washed and full of gas." Now, I mean, there's just some things in there. Now, you know, and when it comes to the reparations discussion. Let's quantify, discuss, go back and forth. Who speaks mm -hmm. for the culpable? Mm -hmm. And to what degree are we framing in a cultural context our culpability and therefore what is our response? And, you know, anyway, there's that's the first question. <laughs> oh, it's not, it's not even a worry because Howard Thurman asks another that I want us to delve into. He he writes uh, this question that I, I, I believe it bears repeating until he until 
somebody answers him. Uh, he asks in Jesus and the Disinherited, uh, why is it that Christianity seems impotent to deal radically and therefore effectively with the issues of discrimination and injustice on the basis of race, religion, and national origin? Uh, so the question is, why is this true? And does the absence of the work of answering Thurman's question affect the incarnational ministry of Jesus? What are we really doing if we still haven't answered that question? Well, the question is, is he right? Hmm. You know, I believe so. What do you think? Well, I believe so. But he generalizes and loses the point and loses Come the people in. that he should be talking to. So the reality is, is the majority of people that are settled as refugees in Canada are ah. church based people. Mm -hmm. um, Billy Graham, who's a bad name in people's words, not in mine, was the first person that did a desegregated rally. And Bill Clinton was the first time he ever went to one. You know, so, you know, at what point do you uh -huh. say, the church or an individual, you know, um, you know, uh, Kamala Harris is, is is a Baptist in a very synchronized and interesting kind of way. Uh, you know, when people pillarize in particular, when people religiously profile and mm -hmm. don't realize that that is the sick and twisted cousin of racial profiling, well, along with a whole bunch of other sexual profiling, all sorts of stuff. Mm. When you profile according to labels that you have generated, not the individual is presented to you, then you get into problems. Preach. So, 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 so the fact is, Thurman is correct in that, and, and my longing uh, with the NABF is to reintroduce this faith tradition to the culture, to be known as an inviter to Jesus, and therefore that holiness, that holy restlessness, that longing that is always emptying and needing to be refilled, always emptying and needing to be refilled, as Billy Graham said, I need to be refilled by the Holy Spirit because I leak. And I leak and I leak and I need after being leaked and leaked out and the bucket is empty to be refilled. So Thurman is correct in speaking truth to what is power in its differential way of a racially differential, certain people hold privilege and power, and people in the white privilege book, which our wife has read and I'm beginning to read, the notion that we take off labels saying, well, I'm okay because I know, I associate, I engage. None of that, none of that's true. It's only in the living and the breathing and in that whole sense of, the embodiment of Christ in individuals and then collecting the church. So the church, especially around racial things. Now, it's, it's interesting. I, I know I, I can't use names. <laughs> I got myself in trouble. I start using examples and I start names and then I, you know, <laughs> racial um, collective identity can be used as a powerful thing. Um, you know, I, I'm Scots-Irish, and there's all sorts of things which, you know, unfortunately, we were the mercenaries of the British Empire, so that's not a pleasant thing to think about, right? Or Born Fighting by Jim Webb, and I thought it was hilarious the first 50 pages until I realized these murder so-and-so's yeah. were mine. Yeah. Were mine. Yeah. You know? And that's not good, you know? And and, and so how do I retrieve that? How do I, mm -hmm. my initial reaction was humor and engagement and identity and clan and tribe and all that stuff, and then I realized I don't want to be part of that, man. So as an that's individual right. and as a collective, all of us look for community. John Wimber said, um, people go to church uh, to make friends. And so as we make friends and depend upon each other, and particularly this COVID crisis, we lead more and more to each other, um, then we become protective of the other, exclusive of the other, and our own internal logic you know, uh, takes over. Our theological internal logic, our, 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 our racial, our cultural, uh, those kinds of things. So we use them in the end because we've been hurt somewhere else and we seek this community and strength. And we push back against the other. And as Thurman says, then we become uh, people that in, in, the, in the white community in particular, uh, people that say, I am not only privileged, but that's okay. Um, mm. I am not only in power, but that's okay. And you try and give me an explanation why that's not okay. Mm -hmm, and they mm -hmm. may have a listen, but you probably won't. So I think Thurman is correct that the church needs to be re 
engaged and reintroduced to the culture. That's my longing for my own tradition, but it also needs to be introduced in a way that is not, uh, is, let me put it in different ways, is for racial reconciliation in a very powerful practical way. And it begins with praying for each other's parishes, doing things over food, uh, doing things over food security and poverty and, and engaging social issues, but also involves the conversion narrative. Many traditions recount their baptismal vows. Very interesting, very interesting thing. And if we did that, we would include, you know, Bonhoeffer's statement, you know, uh, the, the Episcopalians and the Anglicans say, you know, I repudiate the, the devil and all his works. That's yeah. pretty, pretty heavy stuff. And you know, yes, it fact, is. That's a daily ritual. That's a daily engagement. That's a daily life. Casting the devil out is a daily ritual. Yeah. Amen so to that. Thur Thurman is absolutely correct in the, in the culpability of what presents itself to a culture as Christianity in the church, number one. Um, and number two, uh, that, that uh, iconography of what is the church is not only tainted and diluted, but we are responsible for that narrative. And yes. we don't correct that narrative by words, but by deeds. Uh, we, we, um, there is a tactility in that repentance and that turning away. And the repentance in the, not the heavy, the guilt and shame stuff, which is important, as, as a, but repentance as turning from turning from, turning away and to something else and other and the other. Uh, Christoph Blumhardt writes in Everyone Belongs to God, uh, spiritual communities that fail to be corrective in everyday life and practical work uh, will soon end in a fiasco. Uh, he continues, there must be absolutely no Christian pretense, however uh, religious it may appear. For lots of religious activity deprives people of their true life. People need to be guided properly through practical work, not through the might of weapons or proselytizing or religious fervor. Uh, so the question then is, uh, Brother Pastor, why is, the, why is the church in North America, uh, why, the, why is the church in North America's embodiment of the work and witness of Jesus limited to uh, a Sunday morning worship service and a midweek Bible study? How much more uh, does it limit our personal regeneration and social transformation? If all we do is go to church on Sundays uh, and Wednesdays, what are we really doing? Um, you, you notice, listener, that uh, Starlet rephrased the question twice just to make sure I answered it this time. Uh, so this That's is not what, what's I, happening. So, you know, um, I, I think everyone belongs to God. Uh, sounds like a revelation as a title. But it, in uh -huh. fact, is just wholly, viscerally true That's in our right. humanity. That's right. And so, so it's not to be dismissed. It's a worthy, reflective piece, number one. But, but he implies a sense of accountability. Would that be fair to say? Yes, sir. Uh, within, yeah. Now, he my does. concern with that is that accountability is misused so often. A discipline is exaggerated. Hyperbole is put to um, certain aspects. Uh, each decade seems to have a particular social theme in terms of morality, um, and and therefore, you know, it's it's uh, you know, Harry Truman is a complicated character, but you know, he swore on two Bibles in his inauguration, one on the Beatitudes and one on the Ten Commandments. Now, if you can find you know, sort of uh, rules and you can find a soul, uh, you know, in, in, and combine those in your life, you're doing very, very well. Um, now, uh, I, I, so I, I think that the notion of Lord. Sunday morning for me um, is very much a social piece with mm -hmm. some teaching. Now, it depends on the teacher. We, I, I, I often believe that in, that in 
in pastoral leadership, we look on pastors as, as a pinata. We fill the, 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 the pastor full of our expectations, our hopes and dreams. And then we built the living daylights out of her. Or Please him. preach. And, and, what, and what spills on us preach today is a reflection of our own expectations and none of the things we long for God to mentor. My Lord and, and my God, say so, that, so, sir. So, so pinata leadership doesn't work. But Sunday morning is part of who we are. And I want us to all know that our Bible studies, if they're well led and not uh, don't succumb to the leadership of one person who talks too much, like the person that's being interviewed on this particular uh, <laughs> podcast, uh, you know, if in fact it begins in prayer and we pray for one another and we yeah. pray for one another in visceral and important ways and that we end in that way and that actually we carry each other in thoughts and my, that it actually is church for us it is church for us it's a giving unit it's a worship unit it's a relational unit it is extended family where is a safe place for us to go when i began in my last job i asked everyone around the table i said where would you go if you were in trouble and they mm. all listed one guy listed a dentist he'd gone to for 25 years that was interesting not a dentist can't really talk with your mouth open but he was a friend other than that oh, I'm just teasing. so what happened Jesus. also is i said <laughs> where would you go if you've been to the doctor and you were told you were mortally ill mm. and you could not get a hold of say if you're married you couldn't get out of your spouse where would you go if you were in such deep trouble you almost didn't have words for it and i'd like us to answer that question out of the story mm. of job uh, out of the story of jesus on the cross out of the story of elijah on the mountain well, you know, he listened for all these signs, this thunder, this wind and everything else, but it was in the silence. Yeah. In the silence, we could have hardly breathe, I would imagine. Yeah. He just bumped off 200 prophets of Baal, man. You know, I would be running too. You know, but the truth of the matter is, is that, every, you know, God, God belongs and is everyone. That's true. Our accountability needs to be measured. There always needs to be sort of um, a appeal, a mentor. There always needs to be hope in our confessional and absolution expressed not by ourselves, Often our confession and absolution in sectarian Christianity is a self-fulfilling prophecy, yeah. which means nothing, absolutely nothing will change. Please now, preach. It, and, and particularly, though, <clears throat> we need to be kind to each other around substance abuse, uh, which includes everything from uh, sexual addictions right. to, you know, food to, yeah, right. food, it's really about food. Food is the one thing that everyone gets a pass on. Now, <laughs> it is harmful. It is harmful. No one is going to like us after this podcast. I hope you know <laughs> oh, that. Oh, yes, they are. Yes, they are. No uh, one. But, but, no, but, not yes. one, save the, the friend but, we have okay, in Jesus. Me, here's the good part. There was a, an Order of Canada geologist, world-renowned, uh, called uh, Charlie Stelk. Charlie Stelk was about six foot four. My dad was about five foot eight. Uh, Irish deprived background, he liked to talk about all the time. And Charlie would come to the back of the church, my father's a minister, and he would say this. He said, I argue with you all the way home. And my father was appalled initially, and he thought, what a perfect deal for both of us. I've spoken what I feel is on my heart. It doesn't have to be on your heart. And, and, and if you're wrestling, that's the deal. And that's I used it. to sit and listen to Eugene Peterson at Regent College, and I would pray to the Lord. I said, Lord, give me one thing out of this man, one thing before the hour is over. And I remember it 57 minutes through the hour. I said, Lord, you haven't delivered. And he said something that changed my life, changed my life. So pray. Sometime now, during this podcast, the Lord will give you one thing, <laughs> that the Holy Spirit will keep prompting and prompting and repriming Fix about racial reconciliation, your place in the church, truth to power, and also finding a time where there is reflection and, 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 and reconciliation, repentance for whatever is angst and separating you from God in your life. 
I'm your host and podcast pastor, Reverend Starlet Thomas. We'll be right back with more of the Raceless Gospel from Good Faith Media. I'm Starlet Thomas, and I invite you to join us for Good Faith Stories. It's a new podcast series from Good Faith Media. In each episode of Good Faith Stories, we'll bring you a collection of different stories tied to a theme, unique and true stories as told by the people who live them. Each story is short, six or seven minutes, with a little mood music. Listen to Good Faith Stories wherever you get your podcasts, and find us online at goodfaithmedia.org. Thanks for making space for that church announcement. Now back to the rest of my back and forth with Jeremy Bell. The next question is, how do we embody reconciliation when our bodies, uh, the female body, for example, and especially, at least in my case, is viewed as a source of evil? <laughs> if I hear another sermon on the temptress. Uh, when we segregate our bodies according to the sociopolitical construct of race, uh, when we evaluate bodies based on the money they make, uh, when we prematurely judge bodies based on where they are geographically located, how do we embody reconciliation when we, we divide ourselves well, in so many ways? Um, the story I'm going to tell you at the end of this part, I'm not sure I can get through because something happened to me this week around the sense of body that mm. um, that um, has really challenged me in a, in a, in a lovely way. I, essentially, in this advent, I met Jesus on a street corner uh, oh, this Lord. week uh, and a, a guy that was having a, a crystal meth uh, episode. I Jesus. met Jesus and the person as individual. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's it's all incarnation. It's all visceral. It is nearer than hands and feet, close to the breathing, and that that mm -hmm. image is given to us. Uh, you know, uh, you know, in our general religious discourse, um, not realizing the intimacy of it. Uh, you know, there's there is obviously a gap between hands and feet, the rest of my body, right? Uh, you know, yeah. and so and the notion of over sexualizing can happen in actually interesting places. You look at websites of denomination churches, who they use to illustrate a particular point. Uh, you know, is it a female? Is it a male? Are they good looking? Are they not? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, um, when you enter into conversation with people, do you say, I want to get to know you uh, and I don't want to know uh, who you're connected with, who you're married or single or whatever. And I don't know what you want to, what you do. Mm -hmm. I just, I, tell me, tell me early, telling what it was to come to faith, to tell uh, your first apprehension as a child. Mine was being thrown in the air by my uncle and caught, and there was a mirror in the room. I could see myself like I was flying. That's my first memory mm -hmm. as a child. Um, and, and, and how do, and how do we know that we, that, that, that we belong? So our physicality is important. It's denied. Um, and, and, and part of that denial is a healthy thing. We don't want to be obsessed with personhood, but then we, we, our peripheral vision, you know, there's Richard Rohr says ah. that celibacy in the Roman Catholic church is, is, is an open wound. Mm. And, and, and he said, and, and, and compensator behavior replaces the woundedness of that experience. So deal with it. And so, you know, there's this whole sense, do we talk about celibacy? Do you talk about sexuality in, in ways that um, are engaging and not and and don't feed sometimes um, uh, views and engagements that are not healthy. So body is important. Amen. Good. So all aspects of body without being fixated and obsessed. Lewis in, in Screwtape Letters says that the person that has a problem with food is not the problem that, with the person that eats too much, but the person, in this case, it was a lady who eats small amounts of food and is very particular about it. You know, our, our foodie culture is as much an incrimination about us than food security with our neighbor. Um, so um, so th that sense of body is important. Um, feed me the last part of the question. 
so the female body, of course, when we segregate our bodies according to the sociopolitical construct of race, when we evaluate yeah. bodies based on the money they make, when we prematurely judge yeah, bodies based on yeah, where they're located. Good. Oh, you're knocking yeah. it out. You're knocking that, it out. What, is that, so, so let me tell you what happens. I'm, I'm driving down the street, pouring rainy day, and I see a guy flailing. His arms are throwing up in the air. He's, he's ducking his head down to his knees. His pants are half down. And I do a Yui and I park. And then someone else parks in front of me. The last two minutes they take off. And I thought, I don't know where this guy is on the sidewalk. And I was going to line up on the road. And so I just didn't know what to do. So I, I called both the ambulance and the police. Because my son is actually in harm reduction. He's, it was the safe injection site. Mentors uh, people around the states and doing that kind of stuff. But, you know, so I thought, what would my son Andrew do? And, and <clears throat> so I just... <clears throat> stood there waiting for people to come. And at one point he fell on the ground and he uh, stopped moving. And, um, and I didn't know what to do. And we have five people die in British Columbia a day and I couldn't tell whether he was breathing. So um, uh, I, I watched for his breathing and uh, someone else finally, I've been there about 40 minutes in the pouring rain. Someone else joined me. It's interesting. People called the cops, but didn't come over. There was just the two of us, he and I, human beings. We're all made in the image of God. That's right. And I saw his suffering and he was in a fetal position, Starlet. And he reminded me of the baby in the manger. Mm. And he, uh, and he turned out that he could breathe and he was breathing and he was okay. And then someone said, well, you know, his pack's down the road. And, and we said that to the policeman. He said, well, I can't do anything about that. So I went and found his pack. At least I hope it's his pack or someone's missing a pack. And so I brought it, I brought it to the end I said, this is his which may have been all that he had. Yeah. And I thought in the middle of Advent, I need on a regular basis daily, preferably to be like a doormat at the edge of, at the, at, at, to be shaken out. Yeah. So it is still a welcoming place yeah. to place your foot upon. And, uh, and this guy um, was Christ, literally. 10th and Highbury in Vancouver, in the pouring rain, soaking wet, his pants half down, not even recovering, uh, you know, from that uh, crystal meth. But he was in that form, crouched together in the fetal position, sleeping soundly because of all his exertions. And he reminded me of Jesus in the crash. That's a nativity scene. It's not, a nativity the, not, scene. not the cleaned up one we have that has no, no signs of and, labor or and, birth and, and, <laughs> or and pain we, or anguish. No, and if we say one prayer each day, Lord, make yourself known to me. Ah. And if we mature in that prayer, then we can say the second part of that prayer. Lord, make yourself known to me. In the second part of that prayer, Lord, if it be your will, make yourself known to someone else through me. Mm. But we need to know that God is making himself known to us before we go screwing up by trying to say things God never said, mm -hmm. doing things he never wanted us to do, and lacking the evidence of ever convincing anyone that we come from him. There's an old story, which you've heard from me before, I think started where the knight comes back to the castle and says to the <laughs> king, I've, I've conquered your enemies to the east. And the king says, I don't have any enemies. There it is. And the, the knight says, you do now. <laughs> so we, 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 we have done this. 
to our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, we've made enemies of people. He yeah. wanted to be his. We have said to them, you are far away. Instead of the scripture says, you were far away in Vermont near. We have made it impossible to return. Yet even the thief on the cross, even Peter could return. And we've not facilitated that for other people. And we've not shown that the love of Christ is actually the first thing they should see. The rest of it is really irrelevant. And if we can be used, glory be to God. Glory be to God. Thanks be to God. No, I speak against the savior complex that we seem to have in the church. We think we do the saving. I've, yeah. I've had to speak to several leaders about uh, yes. the way in which they yes. evangelize, the, the way in which yeah. they evangelize. Uh, let and the Holy know. Spirit work. Like the Holy Spirit Absolutely. has a job. Please <laughs> allow it, allow it to breathe on people. Don't let the Holy Spirit sit there twiddling his thumbs. Yes. <laughs> well, yes. I would like to move, but you know, they're kind of doing that job right now. So it's said in that way, not to go around saving people. Uh, James Baldwin said, uh, we live in a country in which words are mostly used to cover the sleeper, not wake him up. Jesus came in the flesh as God on the move, and yet the church slumbers, viewed as having fallen asleep at the wheel, at least by many in my generation. We pray, Jesus, take the wheel. Uh, what have we done to Jesus's words, and what will it take for us to wake up to embody them? Well, um, two things. Um, well, more than two things. Uh, Baldwin <laughs> has integrity on this particular piece because you can't listen to Baldwin, especially. Um, you better watch your mouth today. You ain't gonna be talking about James Baldwin. You better be glad you're in Canada. No, I said he's good. I said he's good. I said he's great. He's great. And he can speak this because he's authentic to it. That's why. He is. You should have seen the gesture I just got from Starlet. So, you know, <laughs> the truth of the matter is, he can, he can say, see he, nothing. You listen to Baldwin, you never go to sleep. You certainly are awake. Very true. Um, and very you true. listen to the, the William Buckley uh, Baldwin debate. It's very interesting. They both love language, they love their this use of words. True. And they true. enjoy their own use of words. So, it's this a striking and interesting piece. Um, I think that I'm, I'm going to, it seems like I'm going down a different road, but I'm not. Um, uh, you know, John Muir. These are Christians that have acted into as individual Christians on behalf of the church. John Muir, the, the, the poet, the Scottish the National Parks, Al, Al Gore and, and Christian Care, Jimmy mm -hmm. Carter, who listened mm -hmm. to an abused missionary's kid in Chile and from that moment on said, U.S. aid and support will only go to people who don't do these kind of things. Uh, you know, you look at, um, you look at um, um, uh, La, La, La Data Sea and the whole thing about creation care which has marked the debate. It set out the goalposts uh, since Francis is a soccer fan. It set out the goalposts and set up the match that you could never get away from. In, in Canada, uh, the vote for indigenous people, the rights of indigenous people, uh, John Diefenbaker, uh, healthcare, Tommy Douglas. I mean, all these kinds Call of things um, that, that are really, really essential and important. Uh, you know, the, the two founders of, uh, two of the founders um, of, uh, of, of Greenpeace, were people who were secular Jews who became Quakers. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And so these people can't be ignored in the discussion. These people came out of their faith with passion and a fury of prophetic wind that was meant to destroy any objects in their ways. And we're determined to do it. I listened in an intimate lunch with Al Gore of 2,000 people, some intimate lunch, uh, where he took <laughs> an inconvenient truth and he did the Psalms through the whole narrative. You know, and, and so I'm sorry, you know, when, when, when Nancy Pelosi, and I'm not getting political on this particular piece. You can get political, we do that. No, but she, I know, you, I'm not sure about the we part in this section, but yesterday <laughs> I'm talking about the we part. When Nancy Pelosi, she prayed for people and was so angry that anyone challenged it, she meant it. Uh, you know, mm. it's, it's, it's a complicated piece and complicated people in a complicated world. And, you know, as, as uh, you know, um, so 
there are individual people out of their faith strongly said these things. Now, they sometimes identified the church, sometimes didn't. John Muir said, I'd rather be, sort of paraphrase it, I'd rather be in the forest thinking about the church than in the church thinking about the forest. My Lord also, you know, and you know, my God. Words, words to that effect. But you know, the truth of the matter is he was honest, right? Yeah. You know, he still attended church, but he knew the author of creation. And he engaged that author patient in accompanying the creator in the beauty and profoundness of creation. So here's what Christians have done in terms of peace. Lester Pearson <clears throat> neutralized the Suez Canal. He was a United Church person. He was Prime Minister of Canada. Uh, there, there are people that acted out of their faith and still act out of their faith. Healthcare in the States, healthcare in Canada, different paths, elongated mm -hmm. one place, not another. As a right, not a privilege, we're motivated by Christian faith. And, 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 and a lot of those kinds of things are just really important. Now, having said that, having said that, um, institutionally, uh, things get degraded quickly because the collective voice is always Amen. influenced sometimes by, it's an anesthetic. And it's, it's like, uh, you know, they're selling these blankets now that uh, heavy, heavy blankets make yes. you better. It, yeah, they're sort of like a panini. You come out like a grilled sandwich, you know, instead of actually being warmed or coddled or whatever. So you. sometimes the promise <laughs> of something being helpful isn't helpful at all. I hate you. Uh, so, 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 so we, we in churches have this descending, smothering cloak that comes upon us sometimes. Ah. So the, the highlight of our meetings, our business meetings, and I want to call out a particular constituency really strongly. We have praised the poet the singer, the politician, the leader, and we have decried and dismissed people sometimes that are spectrum, people sometimes that are left brain, people that are fill test tubes, test drugs, motivate, uh, you know, uh, accounting and do account. We have put down people that have not been put, that has begun to redeem this land and That's both right. these lands from the COVID crisis. That's and right. I want to honor people, call That's out right. people, first responders that maybe don't have great, uh, you know, personnel skills, but they saved believers' lives. So That's I want right. to call it, so in the church, we are sometimes nominated by particular narratives, those who, uh, like the Home Depot, uh, quote, more saving, more doing, uh, you know, and, and sort of vibrated <laughs> church, you know, we want to convert everybody, we want to just be busy, because Jesus is coming. So, and Jesus is coming, by the way, and I think it's important that people are saved, and I think it's important that we you do- You better do an altar call. I'm going to help you, I'm going to give you a dangerous piece of advice. In my so, culture, when the pastor is, you know, going on somewhere, and we don't really know where she or he is going, we say something like, Stay with me. I'm going. I'm yes, going somewhere. Right. I'm going Jesus. to bless you. Help him, Jesus. Oh yeah, Benjamin we'll pull you Reed. back with a help him, Lord. Well, you know, Benjamin Reed, First Church of God. I went there for six months. <laughs> Wonderful stuff. So I know. I know that. So so but but so what happens is a church. You know, James is right, but the church often has a singular narrative. It's a conversion narrative. It's true. It's a business true. model. True. It's an entrepreneurial model. It's a property acquisition model. Ooh. It's a tenant uh, relationship model. It might be any one of the things that we hold dear, mm. racial reconciliation, food security, but we, we focus on one thing, not realizing that actually the best way to do rec racial reconciliation is uh, lodging security, food security, and just food together, That's right. uh, you know? And so, so I just think that uh, we will be awake um, mm. if, if we experience those things together. Now, the person that uh, a committed Christian, Judy Graves, in charge of homelessness for the city of Vancouver, she said, that the five words that raise the dead to life. In other words, she come across a person that was homeless, that was asleep. She wanted to wake him up. They weren't responding. She said the five words that raise the dead to life. And she said this in the National Prayer Breakfast of the Candidates. She said those come five on, words are, do you want a cigarette? 
So I, I just want to say, sister, Help that us, there's Lord. all sorts of ways into into the fortress. And she was, it was hilarious, but it was true. So, so each of us have a narrative. Our churches have a narrative. Baldwin is right, but we need to parse it That's and good. not feel just down about it, but That's say, good. listen, may the sleeper awake. That's listen good. Listen to Messiah, and you'll be full of, so full of adrenaline, you'll run, the, you'll, 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 you'll run a marathon. So the reality is we listen to scripture, <laughs> we sing together, we eat together, yeah. then these things will come to pass without being paralyzed. <sighs> Last question, sir. Bless you. You ready for it? Yeah. Howard Thurman writes in The Luminous Darkness, Segregation is at once one of the most blatant forms of moral irresponsibility. Uh, how do Christians claim to be the body of Christ, his incarnational representation of the world, when its members are segregated? How do his words and our actions or inactions come together? Uh, one needs to be careful about the phrase, is someone a Christian or not a Christian? But there are certain criteria which says not only just the fruit of the Spirit, but if you uh, happen to be racially irreconciled, uh, one of the marks of that is, uh, are you open to discussion and repentance ah. and engagement? So um, when we engage each other, sometimes confront each other, when we're concerned with each other, racial reconciliation is a major marker. But as you have pointed out, started in this discussion, and, and, and part of the theme of what we're talking about is that this discrimination and differentiation is measured in so many ways, culture, what money do I make, what gender, what age, ageism is a big deal. Mm -hmm. I'm discovering more and more, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> I'm just teasing. Uh, uh, and, and when you have a three and a five-year-old grandson, you really know that more and more. So, you know, but the truth is some things are underplayed. Some people are more voices, single. Mm -hmm. uh, the, 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 the most lonely group of people in Canada are recent immigrants that are women, that are older, that live alone. Mm -hmm. Now that, form of engagement you know um those who are far away are, are brought near it's 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 really essential uh to do that and when we encounter differences uh, and we get anxious about it david lamb who was the lieutenant governor of british columbia uh the queen's representative promise was an entrepreneur uh, a baptist uh, new confucian theology inside or, or philosophy inside out and he said it's not good enough to tolerate our differences we must to tolerate yeah. It's not gonna, it's like holding our breath. Yeah. He said, what we yeah. must do is we must celebrate our differences. Now, some of those differences, man, drive you bonkers, uh, you know, and some of them uh, you'll get closer on. But um, the truth of the matter is, is that um, uh, segregation is, is, is absolutely huge, measured primarily initially in racial reconciliation and segregation, but all the other places where we're not willing necessary to look Mm -hmm. And I don't want to. I don't want to divert or diverge or diffuse this particular concern, which is primary for us. And and it is a time with Black Lives Matter, and 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 it's a time where in in Canada it's Indigenous lives. Yep. Um, you know, um, we we talk about Absolutely. being um, exceptional countries, especially Canada gets snobby, and and I tell American audiences we accuse you of using napalm against children yeah. in Vietnam. We made it. We made say. it in Montreal. We <laughs> sold it for profit, and we decried that you use it. We're implicit mm -hmm. in this. Mm -hmm. now, it, everything's everything's messy, but everything is also uh, extractable. Everything else yeah. is also uh, yeah. taken apart. So, so Thurman is right. I celebrate it. I also want to make sure, though, that we see that the quote progress yeah. that and it's in quotes that yeah. have been made. And I think we we sometimes feel Francis Xavier died on a beach alone, mm. sacrificing his life as it ebbed away. 
we sometimes in our first world problems and sometimes our own um, unreflected anxiety um, wonder what has happened where are you god like a psalmist but we never get to the end of the psalm where there's a reconciliation we just we just feel the angst you know we feel that we separate ourselves from god for something we've done or something we thought or something we've m maybe got ourselves into and we forget that there's absolution granted by god confirmed by the holy spirit and maybe not always confirmed and embraced by someone else who accompanies us and therefore in that whole sense of separation we cannot be the body of christ we cannot give ourselves unto death we can't cede our lives over to god we can't feel that we have a voice in the midst of uh, the church we claim it's an institution when we know it's not an and so we know it's the body of Christ, you know, and we know that the body of Christ is amenable to difficult things and to good things. When Maslow does his hierarchy of need, it's not listening to the symphony. Sorry, it didn't start with food and shelter and end of the symphony. It ended up with a well-functioning, healthy church, fed by the scripture, prompted by the spirit, and open to anything in a holy restlessness that will honor God and others will see him through us, please God, in spite of us. Because if it's because of us, we're all up a creek, including the gospel. Mm. Let the church say amen and amen well, again. But, you know, the church so is silent, well right? <laughs> but, my Lord but may they do, may they, may they do. May we all, may we all be able to say, so be it. Um, and yeah. I think, you know, yeah. that we, we live in a time, Starlet, where um, your voice, Sojourners, other places, just in this podcast, are being heard in wonderful ways. And um, I just think that we have new seasons. Now let's hold the season. I, I spent, um, <clears throat> PBS has a series right now on reconstruction. Mm -hmm. Everyone on this should, should. With Henry Louis Gates. This is that everyone should make a pilgrimage, African American Museum. I've been three times in Washington. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think it's really important that we understand the whole gospel and celebrate it without being paralyzed just yet, except for brief pauses of reflection, repentance, and reaction, because contemplation leads to action, as my dear wife, who does spiritual direction, tells me regularly. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Starlet. You're just Incredible. a joy to be with. You're just you're, no, you're, uh, no. It's it's just a joy. You, it's it, it just it's just total joy. And I just um, God, God be with you. Continue to be with you. Celebrate with you. I want to thank our guest Jeremy Bell and extend to you, our listeners, an opportunity to know this Jesus, who offers a love that draws you in and draws us together who does not draw lines of division, but a large circle that includes us all. Invite him to journey with you in the flesh and in the fullness of the reality of your human being. You can support the work and witness of the Raceless Gospel Podcast by giving to Good Faith Media. Please visit our website at www.goodfaithmedia.org. This concludes this episode of the podcast, but not the conversation. Let's keep talking. Head to our fellowship hour over at Raceless Gospel Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Absent in the body, but present in the Wi-Fi spirit. I'll see you there. back for our fourth Sunday, episode four, to hear Thomas Bowen bring a word straight from the heart of the District of Columbia to the church, which, like Jill Scott sings, might be getting in the way. 
If you stayed for the amen, then you are special, committed. You've got what it takes to build bridges. So hear this. Since 2007, Baptists have responded to President Jimmy Carter's invitation to tear down barriers in communities previously marked by division. Communities estranged in apathy. The movement called New Baptist Covenant invites us all to become bridge builders. If you or your congregation are ready to respond to the call for reconciliation and healing, if you are prepared to pave the way for racial justice, if you're ready to walk in the way of love, then join the journey with New Baptist Covenant. Together, let's build bridges toward beloved community. Start online at newbaptistcovenant.org and on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter.